Keep It Simple with Philip Bartu on Barcelona City FM. Join Philip as he invites you to listen to a different kind of conversation. Notice your thoughts quieten down and find yourself feeling lighter, more centered, and focused on the things that really matter to you. Keep it simple with your host, Philip Bartu, on Barcelona City FM 107.3. Keep it simple. Welcome back. Thank you for that introduction, Jim. And uh, it's another week where we uh, have a really interesting guest on our show today. And um, his name is Steve Chandler. Now, Steve here is, is on the other line. And I'm noticing, just as I'm going to introduce um, Steve, I'm, uh, I just wanted to just slow down for a moment and just... Ah, uh, Steve. Steve, are you able to hear us? Uh, yes. It was cutting out for a while. Okay, amazing. <laughs> we good. We've got a good line. I noticed Steve was pointing to uh, to, to his ears. So I wasn't sure if he could hear us, and I'm delighted to have him on the line. Steve, welcome to the show. So, Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to hear. You're in Michigan. Yes, and you know, I was using the international sign for I can't hear you. <laughs> Which is when you put your hand in front of your ear. Steve Chandler is someone who I've been following for, for, for many years now. He is a success coach and someone who has really had a, a, really, interesting, um, a really interesting story to tell. I'm, I started reading his book recently, his new book called Right Now, Mastering the Beauty of the Present Moment. And uh, I was, I got to kind of page 65 and I was reading a story where he was just telling himself how he was living in the world where I'll be, like one day I will, one day I will. And in that moment, it occurred to me that I said, like, one day I'd love to have Steve Chandler coming on the show. And in that moment, I was like, well, that can be now. And I put his book down and I wrote to Steve and I said, Steve, I invited him on the show, and a few hours later, he said, "Of course, I'd love to." And uh, and with that, here here he is today. And uh, Steve, it's 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 really it's really an honor to have you here, especially because I'm just really interested to talk to you and 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 learn more about your story and and some of the things that you've shared in this book. So, thanks for uh, thanks for being here today. You're very welcome. So I, I just want to start with, um, you know, Steve's channel, he's written a ton of books. How many books have you written altogether? Well, uh, it's uh, a couple dozen or more. I stopped counting. Okay, a couple. Of, and, and I know you've, you've um, it's also interesting, I've been following some of your books and also just seeing sort of how you've evolved over time and, and with the books that you've written. And I'm curious to know, what is it that... Inspired you to to write your latest book right now? Well, um, I was actually, you know, this sounds kind of hokey, but I I had a dream one morning. I thought I was finished writing books. Uh, my my final book was uh, called Death Wish, and it was about addiction and my own story with addiction and recovery and I thought it might help people who were going through similar things and uh, and then it occurred to me that um, if that's my last book 
and then I die. It's kind of ironic to have your last book called Death Wish. And so I entertained the idea of a new book. And one morning I woke up, I had a dream. And, and the dream was the cover of the book that just said right now. And I thought it has two different meanings for me. One in the world of action, the, uh, the world of play, where we, where we take on a role and we interact with other people in the universe. The meaning right now means that I, there are things I can do right now that I normally put off. I don't have to put off. And then it also means um, the, present, the beauty of the present moment. I'm not trying to get into my future and not um, spending a lot of time thinking about the past. And, and it had that meaning too. And I thought it would be really fun to explore whether I can talk about both meanings in the same book. So that's, that's where it came from. <laughs> Great. And also in t today's show, you, I asked you for what, what you thought would be a good title. And uh, you, what you replied was to, to talk about the difference between awareness versus beliefs. Right. And I, and I feel like that's, that's really something that um, maybe um, you, want to, you, know, you want to touch up a little bit more about that. But when I, when I first heard you said that, the first thing that came to me was, oh, wow, there's, I feel like there's a lot that's been said about beliefs and a little less that's been said around awareness and, and what that means to you. So I'm, I'm really curious to, to hear more about, about what it, what, why is it that you decided to bring this into the conversation today? Well, for most of my life, I lived in the world of beliefs. And if I had a negative belief that I could identify, I would try to replace it with a positive belief. And then I would try to give that positive belief life. And I would keep trying to believe in the positive belief and hope, hoping it would replace the negative belief. But after a while, I realized that um, the most beautiful changes in my life have not come from various beliefs, but they've come from awareness. And it's the difference between the example I... I like to use is, um, let's say, Santa Claus. Now, a child believes in Santa Claus until the child becomes aware that there is no real Santa Claus. Now, that's an awareness. I don't have to replace my belief in Santa Claus with a brand new belief called there is no Santa Claus other than people who play the role. I'm simply aware now that there is no Santa Claus. And that's just simply, that is so much more beautiful and powerful because it doesn't require sustained thinking. And then I looked back at the etymological root of the word belief, and it really means fervent hope. Like I've got this fervent hope that something is true. And what I've found over the years is I, I'm much better off realizing something is true and becoming aware that it's true. So, for example, with, with gravity, when a child, I, I watch my grandson interact with gravity. And, and so he holds something in his hand and he opens his hand and it drops and he laughs. Hmm. Now, he's becoming aware of gravity. He's not having to believe in gravity 
to have gravity be a principle that he's friendly with and uses, and he's using it to learn how to walk and how to hold things without them dropping and all of that. So um, I've really spent the last couple of years looking at um, what am I trying to believe, which is exhausting and never really holds, and, and what am I simply aware of, which is beautiful and doesn't require uh, sustained personal thinking to be a reality in my life. It's when you say it like that. It, for a lot of people that are listening, they they must be thinking: is it is it really that simple? Um, to make it more more specific, there was a there was a moment when I when I was reading your book, and I was like, can it really be that simple? And I was asking myself that question. And there's a story that you shared in the book um, about a girl called Katrina. Now, I know you're using different names. And it really struck me. And it was a story of, um, of someone who really struggled to wake up every morning and who's a very productive person. And you said one sentence to her that changed everything. And it wasn't a change in belief. It was the way from what I understood. It was something she just became aware of. Um, I'd love to, I was, I was really, I, for some reason that, that story really did something for me. And so, for, you know, also for the people listening to this and for the people who, you know, want to hit the snooze button every morning or the people that have, that kind of find it hard to get up in the morning. Um, I'd, you know, listen, I, I, I'd, I'd love it if, if, Steve, if you could just share that, that story from, from, yeah, from, from how you remember it to be um, for the people that are listening today. Sure. Um, she was a client of mine, very successful, wonderful person with, um, who, who was a coach and a public speaker, and she was helping many other people in her world. And she told me that her lifelong secret problem was she could never get up in the morning at the time she wanted to. She always slept in, and, and so therefore every day for her, she felt she was a little behind when the day started. The things she wanted to do early uh, weren't getting done, and, and she tried to trace it back to um, a time in her childhood when she got some bad news while she was lying in bed, and then she didn't get out of bed, and, um, and she said she's never been able to solve it, and I... I I just all of a sudden got an idea. It's not a method I use or anything. Uh, I got an idea that um, I might be able to help her if I kept it real simple. And I said, um, I know why you don't get out of bed. And, um, and, and I will tell you that. And, and when you hear it, um, it's going to give you access to something you didn't know you had. And she said, what is that? And I said, it's the ability to get out of bed anytime you want. You don't, you, you don't have access to that right now because of your thinking. And so um, what I'd like you to experiment with is, um, well, well, what I told her was, the reason you don't get out of bed is because you don't get out of bed. And that's the only reason you don't get out of bed. Everything else 
is a story you add to it and you weigh yourself down with all those stories about it. But what I'd like you to do from now on is when the alarm rings, simply out of bed, no matter what you're thinking. So even if you think I can't get out of bed, I need five minutes more, allow yourself to notice the thought, but get out of bed. And if you'll do that in the two weeks between now and our next coaching session, you'll let me know how it worked. But I can assure you it will work. And so she gave it a try. And when the alarm went off, she simply got out of bed. I told her, um, if you have to, pretend you're um, with a fire department. And um, when the bell goes off, they all get out of bed and get on the fire truck and go to the fire, no matter what they're thinking. Uh, they don't say, give us 10 more minutes uh, because something's burning down. So they just go. And so I said, when you, when you hear the alarm, just go, like you're in a, in a fire department. And so she, was, she did that, and she was really very surprised and shocked to see that getting out of bed is simply about getting out of bed. And it's not about anything else. And um, her stories were all optional. Um, and surplus bag as she put into her mind, into her um, vision of the world that didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. And even if they occurred, it didn't matter. She could still get out of bed. So um, she found out that that, that was true. And um, now she has no problem. And so... The way, the way you describe it, there may be people listening to this and hearing like, well, she had to change her beliefs around getting up of bed this morning and she had to change her beliefs by telling herself there's a fire drill. Is, I, I really want to make a, a, a distinction at the simplicity of this. Yes. Um, we talk, when we talk about awareness versus beliefs, what from from a, an understanding of how the mind works, what actually happened for her to break free from the struggle of getting up every morning? Well, if if I'm if I try to analyze it, I might say that she found out, she became aware that her thoughts were not the truth about life. They were thoughts. And if, if a thought floats across the screen, like, I can't do this, that's only a thought. And um, her awareness became that she can do this, no matter what thought is floating in front of her at the time. And it's, a, it's an awareness of the... Um, somewhat arbitrary nature of thought mm -hmm. and, and the, the fact that we don't, she didn't have to take her thoughts seriously. I'm just reflecting on, on when, you, when you say that and how, 
how it's so powerful to understand that and to really live live from that and and I know you know your whole book is is the title of the book is living and embracing the beauty of the present moment and and for the people that haven't heard I'm just putting it out there here which is it's actually called mastering the beauty of the present moment and um and I know that for myself there's there's a lot of uh a lot of the people I speak to a lot of people find it really hard to to just be present and we've heard it so many times before and it's nothing new and and for the people that are I, I mean I, I love the just kind of the stories that you bring and, and, and how it really feels really simple but um, what about you Steve I'd, I'd love to, to just hear a bit more from a from a personal journey how how has living been in the present moment? How, how has that been something that you have been seeing more and more of yourself? Well, I think I think there's a fallacy. You you mentioned that people think it's hard to be present, and I and I work with a lot of consultants and people in business who begin to realize that when they're with another person, a client or a prospective client or a business partner they're really not very present. They're not as present as they could be because they're, uh, this con- they're using the conversation as a means to an end, for example, and uh, not really hearing what the other person is saying. And then they begin to think, well, it's hard to be present. It's a difficult task. How do I learn to do it? And, and, and what it was for me was there's nothing to do because... It's, it's not hard to be present because you, you are present. Everybody's present all the time. Now, what, what's not occurring is you're not aware of your presence. You don't abide in that awareness. And, and so, by not abiding, relaxing into the awareness that you're already present, um, has has my mind racing ahead, wondering what I need to do to feel more present? And am I present now? I don't know. And and um, it's it's simpler than that. Like like you said, it's uh, can it be this simple? And so that there's something when I first picked up your book, there was a word here that um, I I wasn't sure what. Well, I just wanted to ask you why. Why did you use the word mastering? Well, that uh, that's a. I even discuss in the book that that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm. But I wanted, but I wanted to use the word anyway because um, I sort of wanted to lure in the old me. So, so when I write a book, I think, uh, what's the book I would have wanted? What's the book I wished I had had? And, and I would still be thinking I need to master this. This is a presence is a skill of some kind, and I need to master it. And, and that's not really what it is. So it's kind of like a false lure. Uh, people buy personal growth books because they want to learn to do something that will give them the secret um, to feeling happy about life. Mm-hmm. And to really, really enjoying their life. And so, what do I need to do? Maybe yeah. it's in this book. Oh, mastering! Yes, I'm going to buy this book. So uh, that's why I put it there. It's kind of playful. 
Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, but, well, because you don't really master it, but mm. but there but there is a learning curve. Right. So in, in in some sense, you can think of it that way. Well, I I was not going to buy your book because of that, and you know <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so glad I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's um, you know, it's I, I, I joke about it, but when I when I first picked out the book, I, the first thing I thought is, was like, oh, here's going to be a list, uh, you know, things things to do, things to master, yes. and 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 I and I just love it that when I started reading it, it just it was so beautiful, Steve. I really, I, I was getting a lot of, it. I've, I've got lots of um, notes and thing underlined things, and uh, and there's something that uh. Something that I also read that I I wanted to to ask you about. So I'm I'm just looking at there's something here I I read when I I wrote you wrote here. Um, I started reawakening a forgotten spiritual path I was on years ago, and you talk about a moment where you finally caved. And when I was reading that, I was like, I I don't know it just sparked a lot of curiosity. So I'd, I'd like I'd love to just hear a bit more about what happened. Well, um, if, for lack of a better term, my spiritual evolution, my my um, return to to the happiness and joy I felt when I was younger, as a child, small child, um, it when I recovered from alcohol and addiction. I had what turned out to be my first coach. They didn't call him a coach. It was a sponsor who helped me see how ordinary and useful spiritual growth could be for a human being, every human being, not just uh, the, the Buddhas and spiritual teachers and meditators, but every single human being in their own way, however they understood it. And that was such a breakthrough for me at the time, because I I always thought that um, spiritual growth depended on believing in things that were hard to believe in, hmm. and uh, instead of experiencing, instead of truly allowing the experience of the natural growth, like a, a flower has a natural growth. I don't run out in the backyard and try to pull it up faster because I want to see see the bloom sooner. I know intuitively that it that it has its own uh, evolution going on without me. It doesn't need me, and um, and it's a beautiful thing. And every stage along the way is beautiful. It's there's no I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not a flower yet. Uh, it's like the being a flower is in my future. I've got to deserve it and earn it and work for it. It's really uh, just an evolution. And, and that can happen in human beings as well until they talk themselves out of it and, and uh, get talked out of it. And, and so I was experiencing that in my recovery from addiction all, all different, on all different levels. So, for example, like you say, can it be this simple? That's the, that's the ultimate question in life, I think. That's the most beautiful question um, anyone could, 
reflect on, I believe. Because for me, when I went into recovery, um, I told my sponsor, I don't think I can go my, my whole life without drinking. And he said, well, you don't have to. And I, I said, well, what do you mean? I thought that's what this was about. And he said, just don't drink today. That's all you have to do. Can you do that? And I said, yeah, I, can, I know I can do that now. And he said, okay, that, you got it then. Because um, it'll always be today. And you can always, you've told me, uh, you cannot drink today. So what's the problem? Unless you start projecting linear time and get tangled up in all these thoughts about the future, you're fine. And it doesn't mean you're passive either. That's the other, uh, that's the other misunderstanding I had. I thought that if a person achieves a kind of peace and happiness and they feel uh, really satisfied with and grateful for every little bit of their life, then they won't want to do anything or create anything. But I found it, that was just a thought that that would happen. And I found the experience was different. The experience was that more creativity emerges um, when I'm happy with what I've got. Because it's fun to create. Yeah, I, and, I, I love that. That's that's so true. Yeah. And, and it's so easy to look at it the other way around. And it was something that I had also brought into. I thought, you know, I, I've seen a lot of... I would say like hippies living in the present moment and, and I always thought yeah well great but what about getting things done and and so I had a lot of judgment around that until the moment I saw yeah that's well that's just a thought and 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 I, I just want to bring it back to you Steve because I'm, I'm fascinated by the way you've you've really sort of evolved over over the last few years has there been a, a, a moment or, or something something that you saw in 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 the re, in more of your recent in your recent times where where you really started to see things very differently well um one of the i i've i've always uh enjoyed people helping me and well not always but once i saw that that wasn't a sign of weakness that that was really an awareness of how interconnected we really are mm. in this world, and we can call we can call on other people to help, and and only if, if I'm trying to sustain an ego would I not want to do that. And when I'm not trying to sustain an ego, which is a, an activity of the personal mind, uh, I'm open. I'm open. Anybody can help me. And uh, so one of the people who's really helped me see how simple this can be is Dickon Bettinger. And I know you know uh, Dr. Bettinger. And he's got wonderful YouTubes. And a, he's got a great book out now called Coming Home. But one, one time I was doing a uh, Skype mentoring session. And, and he was mentoring me in, um, in, in simply learning how life really worked. And so 
um, I had this terrible problem that I thought I had with, and I was um, I was teaching a course at a university, and I had a real conflict with what I thought should be taught and what they thought should be taught. And it, it was, uh, in my mind, a terrible problem. <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't, and, and so I would go into anger and judgment and uh, a sense of superior knowledge and all that. So he listened and I said, will you help me solve this problem? And he said, sure, tell me what it is. And I, and I was describing it. And, uh, and I said, uh, so what do you think? And he said, well, you look so serious. And I thought, were you listening? Who cares how I look? Yeah, I look serious. I just told you this is a serious problem. Why would I not look? And he said, well, well, uh, you're not going to solve it from there, I don't believe. And I said, from where? And he said, where you are in your consciousness. You're, uh, you're taking it seriously. You're all, you're all tangled up in your own thinking. And now you're thinking about your thinking, which doubles the problem. And he said, um, my experience is that when I'm lighthearted, uh, my problems get solved faster. And and I thought for a minute, and I just started chuckling like, oh my goodness, it can't be that simple. Uh, I want a refund. I need, somebody, I need steps to follow. I need a process. Um, I need weight to lift. I need to be stronger about my problem. And But what I really saw in that moment was he's right. Uh, when I start to look at it in a lighthearted way, what I saw was, you know what, there's really not a problem here that, that what they teach and what I teach can coexist very nicely. I just saw it in, in, in that second from being lighthearted, uh, everything changed. You know, the, my mind went clear, the slate of all my grievances got wiped clean. And um, how can it be that simple? You know, it must be some kind of fraudulent cult you're in to tell everybody things are simple. Uh, but experientially, I find I find out that it is. Theoretically, it's hard. It's it's hard because we live in a culture that that teaches otherwise, mm -hmm. and. Uh, that problems are are called problems because they're real problems, and that's why we get that's why we call them problems. We don't call them <clears throat> interesting adventures, even though that's what they are. And when I hear that, Steve, well, there there are a few things I want to say. Well, firstly, is like every single problem is actually just made up, and. And even the problems that seem like they're really, really big issues. But what strikes me the most in all of this, and, and, I'm, and I, I think this is amazing, because you have been a coach for, I don't know, how many years, and, and a lot of work, and, and a lot of personal development, and a lot of heavy lifting. And I just, yes. I, I just want to say how I appreciate the humility it took for you to hear what you heard that moment. For, for you to be willing to be wrong or mistaken about how you believed life worked and where you felt your problems were. Um, because I know that that's, 
ultimately what I find so um, inspiring in, in listening to you and, and hearing this story is the humility that you have to, to continue learning and to continue being mentored and to continue just seeing new things and seeing through the simplicity. Yeah, and humility is a funny word for it. it humility tends to be what other people see because mm -hmm. in my experience, it's, it's more powerful than before. So if, if my separate self, my, my ego drops away and I now mm -hmm. have access to everybody, including you and Dick and, and everybody, uh, is now um, a part of who I am, right. that I'm not really separate, then, then that feels like almost like the opposite of humility. In our culture, humility kind of carries a, a, a feeling of I've shrunk down, you know, and I'm kind of shy and humble and uh, not experiencing any power, but the the real experience is um, everybody's on my side. Um, everybody's with me here. I just didn't see it. And so, so someone says that's humility. No, I've just, I've just um, accessed a team of support that I didn't know I had. And uh, it, the, the, the experience is very powerful. Yeah, I, I see that. And also putting a label on it, humility, that's, uh, that's another way that the ego wants to recognize it and make it a thing. <laughs> And when yeah. and when when you put that aside, then you're doing what makes sense. And in that moment, it, it made sense for you to you had a problem, and someone was there, and someone was there that that could help you. And so it made sense to to be open and listen. And and I think from that place, humility creates also a sense of well, there is a superiority. Someone can be more humble than others because of their circumstances, right. and that's and that's all made up as well. And that we are, yeah. you know, when, when we put all of that aside and we put aside our titles and our experience, all we are is, is just people having experiences moment to moment and learning and growing from each other. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm taking away from what you're saying here. That's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, that, that's beautiful. And, uh, and so what's next for you, Steve? What's... Uh, What's next? You've written you've 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 written tons of books. You've uh, your um, and I and I don't mean it's sort of what's next. Tell me your five year plan. <laughs> what's next? Because I, I know you're you're you've let go of plans and and, and living in the future. But uh, but what is it? Um, I I just love to, yeah. I just love to hear from you. Like what is what is it that you're working on right now and and that's inspiring you at the moment. Well, I am working on a new book, and I'm enjoying that. And I'm, I have a lot of wonderful clients that I work with every day. I have a, a school that I work with. I have a, and, and that's inspiring and fun because it keeps evolving, and the teaching keeps changing and becoming more effective every time. And uh, that's it. That's more than enough for me. I'm not looking for anything new, and I'm open to to anything that comes along. 
that looks exciting and fun. Great. I, I'm uh, I'm not surprised to hear you, you're writing a new book. It's probably your last book, isn't it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Well, uh, I, I just want to, uh, for the people that are listening and, and who would love to, to hear more about you and about your work, how can they get in touch with you and, um, and how can they get a copy of your book right now? Well, it's, um, it's on Amazon, so you can search for me on Amazon, and I think Amazon lets you read uh, enough chapters in the book to see if you like it or, or you know so that's what I recommend people do I have a website they can check that out stevechandler.com if they're curious and and we give a lot of things away um, we, we give audios away and ebooks away and things like that so not trying to sell anything here uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to interact with whoever connects that way Wonderful. Well, that was um, Steve Chandler here, author of Right Now, Mastering the Beauty of the Present Moment. Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was a real pleasure to uh, to have you with us and really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Philippe. Barcelona City thank FM you. 107.3. Keep it simple with Philip Bartu on Barcelona City FM. Join Philippe as he invites you to listen to a different kind of conversation. Notice your thoughts quieten down and find yourself feeling lighter, more centered and focused on the things that really matter to you. Keep it simple with your host, Philip Bartu.